This is the Wu Wei Wisdom Podcast, our weekly no-nonsense life lessons aimed to inspire you to master your emotional and spiritual health, achieve balance, harmony, and flow, and rediscover the authentic and awesome you. We're your hosts, David James Lees and Alexandra Lees. Today we are sharing what we consider to be one of the most vital rules for inner child work and inner child reparenting. You'll learn how to spot the telltale signs that you may be breaking this rule and what you need to do to make your inner child work and reparenting far more powerful and effective. Okay, David, so what is this vital rule for inner child reparenting? Well, it's a word that you might not have considered to be so important. The word is to be consistent. Now, some while ago, I used to say compassionate self-discipline. And a lot of my clients kind of resisted that because they would, they'd been heavily criticized and disciplined as a child. So they found that very difficult. But really what we're talking about is not giving up with yourself and your inner child and being consistent. And I think this is where the metaphor of the inner child and the parent and the reparenting work that we're going to have a look at at this session, these words can help you along the way and keep you focused because the inner child part of your mind, like any physical child, will push against any boundaries that you set up. And I guess, David, this is a, it, it's a rule for life. It's a life lesson, this consistency, because we can all, I mean, we've shared so many teachings on uh, techniques and strategies and approaches for the inner child reparenting uh, when we start out. And like any new regime or health habit or lifestyle habit, we can begin with enthusiasm, et cetera, et cetera. But we fall behind because we don't stick it out. We don't stick it through. We, we, we fall at the first hurdle when the inner child, in this case, puts up a fight, resists, and which we're going to talk about a lot to how the inner child strategizes to stop us from being consistent and encourages us to give up. Well, you're right, Alex. And there's one thing that's really more important is remember the title the label the inner child is just for a part of your mind that we're giving it you may want to call it your ego or your subconscious mind or that little devil voice inside of you but if you think about it as a child this part of your mind knows in the past that if it creates enough red light feelings if it plays up enough guess what you've done you have given up, you have lacked consistency. And in a way, even though it wants you to be consistent, that really puts it on very quicksand, very unsteady ground. It's not, it's not stable. And so, like all children, it's pressing the boundaries. It almost wants you to be unsuccessful. This is the paradox of the inner child work. It's very paradoxical. The inner child is saying, how strong are we? Can I rely on you? This is something else very important. The inner child is saying to you, 
Can I rely on you? Can I back you? Can I trust you? And this is why this consistency is so important. And so in this case, are you saying that the inner child wants to break our will mainly because it doesn't trust you? It doesn't. It, it, it's saying, as the adult, we're saying, begin to trust us now. You know, you can rely on the adult us and I will take care of you. But it's almost like because we've had so many years where as the adult us, we've been unreliable for the inner child. We've ignored the inner child. Has the inner child lost trust? And this is why it wants to stop us in our track. Well, this is the paradox, and this is why it's so difficult to explain. The inner child really doesn't want to break you or break your resolve. What it's trying to test to see if other people, other situations will break your resolve. It wants to anchor in onto you, onto who you are. But before it does that, it wants to make sure that you're worthy of being anchored to. So what it's doing, it's giving you a kind of a test to see whether you do fold up like a deck of cards. It really would like you not to. And again, this is so much like a physical child. If you say to the physical child, bedtime is nine o'clock, and the child throws a, a temper tantrum, what I call a squealing piglet, throws up, uh, starts to create havoc, and you give in. You say, all right, all right, I've had enough, you're driving me crazy, stop up as long as you want to. As in the way the inner child is, thinks it's successful, but also it, it makes it very uneasy because if it can't trust you, who can it trust? And there's the paradox. And this is why it gets so confusing. Yeah, I, I can really understand that. And, and you've, you've mentioned a few times now this uh, extreme red light feeling. So the uncomfortable, painful feelings we can experience, the emotional overwhelm. That is one of the strategies the inner child commonly uses. So we talked about at the beginning, these telltale signs. How do we know when we are kind of giving in? Well, the inner child uses emotional overwhelm as a tactic for us to give in and not be consistent. This is very important to understand that the communication, the voice of the inner child is through emotions. And so when it's giving you an emotion, you want to call it overload, anxiety, fear, being scared, I would want you to change that to a red light feeling. Change the name because these Words like overload and anxiety have a kind of a another layer of intensity to lay on top of you. I think you'll experience an immediate help if you say to yourself, I am now experiencing a red light feeling. Rather than saying, I am I'm experiencing anxiety, I am experiencing an overload, just call it a red light feeling. And what that will help you to do, and that's the start of the golden thread process, call it a red light feeling. Then if you believe, as I try and tell you on every teaching, you are the creator of your emotions, not the victim, then you can understand that this is the part of your mind, your mind, remember, the inner child is not outside of you, it's not a devil, it's not a demon, it's not out to mess up your life, it's a part of your mind, and we're just giving it another name that is more helpful, trying to communicate with you. There's something going on that it doesn't like, she doesn't like, she doesn't want. 
And this is one of the things about the inner child you have to understand. The inner child wants what it wants, when it wants it. It's like a child. That's why I like this label. It acts like a child. And when it doesn't get it, or it doesn't go the way that it believes it should go, it creates a screaming piglet to get its own way. It doesn't really know what its own way is. It just wants to win that battle. And that's why I would prefer this idea of you being the spiritual parent, learning how to be consistent with a child, build up the communication, be able to talk, be able to show it and give it boundaries that you will keep. So what you're saying is do not get whisked away with the tsunami of red light emotions that the inner child may create when it's not getting its own way, when it's unhappy about something. What you're saying is we should recognize those emotions, but then ask what's creating these emotions, what's the thought or the beliefs behind these emotions, and then start that inner child dialogue. Now, I know we talk about that on several of our other teachings, but another inner child tactic at this point is often when we ask the inner child for, you know, what's the matter, darling? What's the matter, sweetheart? Can you explain to me why you're so upset? When we have that inner dialogue with ourselves, the inner child then clams up. It goes from being very vocal and very rowdy and creating lots of emotions to comp- withdrawing and being really silent and refusing to communicate with us. So what you've just described there is a perfect description of the emotional pendulum. It swings from one extreme to the other. And as you were saying that, it reminded me of my own child, my physical child. How many times when they came home from school and you say, what did you do today? And they went, nothing. (laughs) Well, you must have done something. No. Uh, yeah, well, what lesson? I don't know. I can't remember. And so they want to say, it's like I said, they want to do or say or act in the way that they want to act when they want to act it. So they don't want to communicate on your terms. They want to communicate on their terms, that they are in control, more powerful, that they, they are setting the boundaries. And this is the internal inner struggle. And again, this is why I love using the term the inner child rather than the subconscious, because it acts just like a child. And if you have children, you will see this all of the time. So if one of your physical children came home from school or came in the house and was using the screaming piglet, shouting, screaming, having a temper tantrum, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm going to leave you and go to bed. You would try and deal with it, and that's what you've got to do with your inner child. You've got to find techniques, systems, to deal with dealing with the problem, not with the emotion. Here's where nearly all of my clients get tied up in the emotion. Remember, The emotion are always a consequence. You're dealing with consequences rather than dealing with causes. And you've got to get down to why the inner child, why that part of your mind is creating the emotion. And so in this situation, you you know, obviously the the what we're guiding people to do is not give up at this point, not yeah. give up when the inner child goes silent. And and a common uh, thing you could do is 
if the inner child doesn't want to talk there, there and then, um, you know, if you've set aside like half an hour for meditation or, uh, you know, half an hour for journaling in the morning, whatever technique you like to use to create the environment for this inner dialogue, the, the environment for the inner dialogue with your inner child, if at that time your inner child does not want to talk, then really it's okay to say, okay, darling, that's fine. We'll revisit this tomorrow. We'll come back to this tomorrow and we'll, you know, I'm here and we can have this conversation. And this is the the, the dialogue you have with yourself. And this is really the compassionate self-discipline. So you're being compassionate. You're not scolding the inner child. You're not scolding yourself because you can't make progress. But you're putting in place discipline and a regime that you will come back to this tomorrow. And so you must come back to this tomorrow. I was just going to say, that's really important what you just said there, Alex. That teaching is very important. If this is the consistency again and the self-discipline, if you do what Alex had just suggested, which is a really good suggestion, you need to go back tomorrow. I can't tell you the countless times that clients have done this and then the next day, because things are better, because life moves on, they don't go back. Because the other thing that the inner child wants is to be listened to. I, can, I can't, the number of clients have come on to me and said, you won't get a pip squeak out of my inner child. It doesn't want to talk. I go down the golden thread, I get to the inner child, and then it clams up. You know what? Within two or three minutes, you can't shut the inner child up. The inner child is not talking, in my experience, because you're not listening. And when you listen, the inner child, that's really what it wants. It's to be acknowledged. It's to be understood. It, it wants, if something can't happen in the way that it wants it, it wants to be told why it can't happen. And so when I'm working with my clients, I often say, or always say, am I hearing you right? Are you saying this? Have I heard this right? I write it down, and that's a good technique that you can do. If I'm working with a client, I have a pen. I say, just hang a second, let me write that down. So you're saying um, you're not good enough. Is that right? Are you saying you're not good enough? And when, because what you're doing then is what I call the flip. You're flipping and putting the accountability back onto the child. Then the child will say, no, no, I'm not saying I'm not good enough. I'm saying you're blah, 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 blah. And now you're communicating. And when you're communicating, that's when you can find for the inner child the resolution that it's been searching for. It has to understand we live in a reality that to him is not fair. So when a child says it's not fair, and even your physical children, when they say to you, Mommy, Daddy, it's not fair what they're saying, it's not the way I want it to be. I like that idea, David, this idea of reflective listening. So active listening and then reflecting back what you believe the your inner child, that inner voice has said to you in your self-talk to and almost like to gently question it or to gently stress test it because often we never question and interrogate the assumptions we make, the assumptions that we allow our inner child to uh, create lots of red light emotions off the back of, the assumptions that we allow to inform the choices and actions and decisions we make in our adult life. So this self 
uh, listening, self-reflection, self-questioning, sounds like a very, very therapeutic and beneficial process. Well, it's part of the golden thread, really, Alex. It's a self-inquiry. It's listening to the inner child. So when you go down the golden thread and ask why, 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 and then the inner child will come to one of the three lies. I'm not good enough. I can't cope. I'm unlovable. People don't love me. Then you reflect back to him. Are you saying that people don't love you? Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Why do you believe that people don't love you? Now, what that has done now for the first time, the inner child has to explain why. Explain, well, my, if, parents loved, if my parents loved me, wouldn't they have done this? Wouldn't they have done that? Wouldn't have this happened? Wouldn't that have happened? Now you can start to resolve these very deep issues. And never be surprised. It goes right down to the age that I think is very important. It repeats time and time again with my clients. I'm not saying this is the only age, but this time period between six years old and nine years old is very relevant because this is the time when you were a child, your emotions had been fully developed and you've been using emotions, but you are being kind of aware of the outside world, aware of people, perhaps going to school and where you're meeting different people and different belief systems and different techniques. And basically the child hasn't got the cognitive understanding or reasoning to deal with it. And so they go to the emotions and then the emotions don't work. And then they stuck then on the carousel of despair. Mm. So it's almost like as the adult, we need to put in place a framework which swiftly takes the inner child off the emotions and starts to uh, become a little bit more questioning, a little bit more analytical. I think, I think this is why this consistency is so important. Because for me, at the root of this, one of the core things that we're doing to the part of our mind that we call the inner child is emotional education. We're trying to teach it that emotions will not get you to where you want to be. Using your emotions as the driver will not work. And now if your child has been doing that for many years, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's very, you don't expect him, her, just to throw up the hands and say, oh, okay, then I'll change today. You have to explain why this isn't working, the reasons why, it, you have to analyze it for, for them. And you can't do that if they don't trust you because you're not listening or the next day it doesn't happen because the inner child will just think, this is a total waste of time. This is a waste of effort because tomorrow we would just revert back to how we was. And that's the only thing that I can trust because it's familiar. You see, the inner child will always favor the familiar. And we've done many, many, many teachings on this. The inner child knows it is not successful, but it does know how it works. So it's better the known to the unknown. And to step on the unknown road, it has to be able to trust you and see that you are committed to leading him or her through that first initial stages until the new road becomes familiar. And this brings me on to the last point and the last thing we need to be very mindful of 
when we are trying to be consistent and successful with the inner child work. And that is to almost not let our guard down. So when we begin to do the inner child reparenting, it can seem very familiar and we're putting extra thought, effort and energy into it because it's almost like a new project. Yes, it will be challenging, but we're we're really putting, we're mindfully aware that it will be challenging. But then further down the line, when things may start to be working okay, and we feel a lot better, we are not experiencing such a large amount of red light emotions because we've quietened the inner child down a little bit. And then what commonly happens is we let slip, we the regime for regularly listening, communicating, answering the inner child's questions, setting aside time every day or every few days to have that inner child conversation, that regime slips. And like anything, like going to the gym or eating healthy, we 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 expose ourselves <laughs> potentially to the inner child stepping in and testing us again. Yeah, so that's really extremely important what you just said there. It's, and because, why it doesn't work is because you are being reactive instead of being proactive. So when you've done the golden thread, whether as you say going to the gym or a diet or doing something, learning, you know, running more or cycling more, you shouldn't be doing it against something because you've put on weight or because your friends are doing it. You should be doing it from what I would call a Shen basis. You're doing it because it's right for you, because you value and you have worth. And this is the base of this, always the base of the Wu Wei teaching, what I call Shen, S-H-E-N, Shen. You have innate, intrinsic value and worth. And so when you make a decision to do something, communicate with the part of your mind to help out, to resolve old childhood issues, to exercise, to eat more healthy, you shouldn't be doing it as a reaction of what somebody else says or because you've put on weight, because you don't fit your clothes. That's a reaction. You should be doing it because it's good and it's valuable, and it's worthy for you. And I can tell you, this is one of the most fundamental things you have to get right. Getting that connection to Shen. This is the way of the Tao. This is the path that leads you to doing something because it's right for you. Because it um, embraces and shows your true value of who you are, not what other people think about you, not what society thinks about you, but that deeper inner connection, what Taoism is all about really, living your life in truth, honesty and integrity. And that is the consistency that the inner child needs to see above anything that it doesn't matter how many squealing piglets it throws up you will not lie you will not lose your integrity that is hierarchically more important and the inner child has to come and um, be connected 
to those principles. You don't go down to the lowest common denominator. You lift your child up to your principles of value and worth and living a life that's full of integrity, that you never lie in your self-talk. I often say to my clients when they ask me, how do I do this truth, honesty, integrity? I say to them, don't worry about anybody else. Do it to yourself. You can do this now at home. You can just say, today, I will not lie to myself in my self-talk. No white lies, no half lies. I will not lie. Everything I think in my self-talk will be what I believe to be the truth. And if you have a physical child, I would tell my physical child the same belief that I'm thinking. And you'll be amazed how many times you lie to yourself. And that's the consistency that I'm talking about. And that brings your child and connects your child to a higher level rather than you being pulled down to the level of your emotions and pleasing people and worrying about what other people think and say about you and rushing around the carousel of despair. All of the stuff that we talk about regularly. Wonderful. Thank you, David. Well, I will put a link in the show notes as well to our inner child video playlist. And there are hundreds of teachings on there to help you understand your inner child, communicate with your inner child and do the inner child reparenting work. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Wu Wei Wisdom Life Lesson. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review us to help us grow. If you'd like to work one-to-one with David, he supports clients all over the world every week via video call. You can learn more about David's consultations plus our online events, offers and gifts on our website, wuwaywisdom.com. You can also meet and share with us in our private Facebook group, on our YouTube channel and on Instagram. Search for Wu Wei Wisdom and you'll find us. Until next time, stay happy, healthy and in your flow.